Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and I'm back here with my co-host Drew Silva. Drew, thanks uh, to you and Roto Pat for holding things down last week. I was sidelined with COVID. I'm still not quite 100%, but uh, definitely getting there and excited to talk some baseball with you guys. And what will almost certainly be our most viewed episode of all time. Yes, we are live on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel right now, also on Twitch. There's some other event going on tonight. It's the NFL Draft. I, I've only heard a little bit about it, so probably not worth paying attention to. Just kidding, obviously. Our college and NFL sections do a tremendous job there. Be sure to check out their work. But for tonight's episode, we're going to talk a little bit of pitching as April comes to a close. And in order to do that, we have one of our own, Ryan Boyer. Ryan, what's up, man? Good to have you here. How are you guys doing? I guess uh, in honor of the Mets and uh, Cardinals, whatever that was this week, we should be <laughs> throwing baseballs at each other's laptops. Or <laughs> yeah, what would be the what would be the the social media way to to do that? Just chirping on Twitter. Everyone does that, though. I don't know. Yeah, that was uh, I I I think it started because of, I mean, hit by pitches are up across the league. I think it it really has mm-hmm. to do with pitchers not being able to grip the baseball. And we talked yeah. about that with about Garrett Cole. Was that on our Twitter Spaces yeah. about how he was having problems gripping the ball in Detroit? So you mix in a little cold weather. Um, Good teaser little, for the top ten, Drew. Yeah, there Cole. we go. I'm I'm a pro at at segways. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's what kind of set off that brawl. And then, you know, the team feels like if, if you hit one of their best players, they've got to hit one of your best players. And Arenado takes an up and in pitch and yeah, is upset about it and gets a two game suspension too, which I don't know about that. Well, I guess he, inc- he incited something that could have turned into something where someone could get injured or whatever. So I, I kind of get it. From the Mets' perspective, I don't think that any of those pitches uh, from the Cardinals were intentional in any way. I just think that they had had enough. And regardless of whether they were on purpose or not, like, I mean, Pete Alonso has been hit in the head twice. Yeah. I think you just have to send a message at some point. I don't think the pitch was super close to Arenado, like if you look at the replay. But um, eh, ideally, I well, I would pee myself if someone threw a ball <laughs> that close to me so i mean there was clearly because everybody knew it was coming like yeah yeah, that was clearly intent Uh, and uh, all right it might have been like 
a foot from his face, but it was up and in. Yeah. If you're, if I think his point was like, if you're going to do that, you know, throw it at my butt. I totally agree with that, by the way. Yeah. I, I, I hate that part of the game, but I also sort of understand it. Um, and like what Buck Walter said, like after the game, he was like, Oh, when Pete Alonso got hit in the head, you know, our guy ran to first base, um, you know, as opposed to Arenado. He's speaking to his team. You know, he knows. Yeah. He knows that, that there's no business for that kind of stuff, but you got to stand up for your team. And, uh, you know, Buck Showalter is pretty outstanding at that, I have to say. You know, what surprises me is that he didn't get ejected in that series. Like, Showalter yeah. loves to, to get into it. Yeah. I guess he just felt like uh, these, these boys are figuring out, figuring this out by themselves i don't need to interject yeah yeah he, he saw that he was a meme earlier this season so he didn't want to <laughs> yeah I, what's funny is like in the mets games like anytime a uh, batter gets hit by a ball they immediately put the camera on, on buck show walter and he gives like his reaction face it's just instantaneous and how do you out. like show walter so far i mean it's it's early and they're off to a good start so yeah it's easy to say that i love him but yeah. you know we'll see you know, some of his bullpen decisions I haven't loved, but that goes for like any manager, you know, you can nitpick and stuff like that. But as so far Robbie as, Cano. yeah, well, Cano, I, we'll see what happens. Like if JD Davis didn't get, didn't get hurt, like he was hit by one of those pitches in the Cardinals series in the ankle. We'll see if he needs to go on the IL or, or whatever, but assuming Davis is healthy and doesn't have to miss much time when the rosters shrink on Monday, I could see Cano being released. I think there are going to be some interesting moves that day. Like, yeah. I think the Red Sox will DFA Travis Shaw. He's been off to a yeah. terrible start. There's there's going to be some veterans that are going to lose their roster spots. Yeah, totally. The Astros got off to a early start with Pedro Baez. Yep, DFA man gave him twelve and a half million dollars. Got seven appearances over the Oof. last two years out of him. Yeah. Never, never, never pay relievers. I think is usually the. The they're they're getting rid of him before the pitch clock is instituted. <laughs> <laughs> I like Smart. it. All right. So before we get into the pitching stuff, just a quick note for our listeners here. The NFL draft is tonight and we have you covered after round one. We'll be live again on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel following the first 32 picks in Las Vegas. Matt Strout, Warren Sharp and Pat Darty, Roto Pat. We'll be joined by rotating analysts from our Edge team to break down all the big storylines from a fantasy and betting perspective. The show will also be available in the Bet the Edge and a good football show podcast feeds on Friday morning. Also, don't miss a single pick during the draft. You can download the NBC Sports Edge app for our signature player blurbs on every single player as soon as they're selected. I think we're about five picks in at this point. Yeah, I keep Uh, glancing down at my ipad here because i've got some some action uh, yeah. in our, our battle of the bets thing if, yeah. if people want to check that out too you yeah you've got a crown to defend there so That's right what's also great about the app is you can receive alerts on your favorite players teams and much more you know that goes for if you're playing fantasy baseball as well it's a really uh really useful so definitely be sure to download the nbc sports edge app today All right, so let's get into the pitching stuff and kind of what I wanted to do. You know, April is coming to a close here. We're only at the point where pitchers have made about four starts. But is that enough to shake up your rankings a little bit? That's kind of the premise here. 
uh, with tonight's show. To start with, I'm just going to read off the Yahoo top 10 going into the season, their preseason top 10. If you go within um, the Yahoo fantasy game, you can you can separate the list by preseason. So this was the top 10. Number one, Garrett Cole. Number two, Corbin Burns. Number three, Max Scherzer. Number four, Walker Bueller. Number five, Brandon Woodruff. Number six, Shane Bieber. Number seven, Lucas Giolito. Number eight, Julio Urias. Number nine, Aaron Nola. And number 10, Sandy Alcantara. So and we should probably note that if that was taken maybe a week before that, Zach Wheeler would be in there as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yep. Yep. For sure. Talking about. Yep. Um, so, that, that was our top 10 prior to the season. And I felt pretty solid about the top of the board, at least one through five. I felt pretty good about that. And honestly, I wouldn't change the pitchers in my top five at this point. I would just change the order. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I I don't know why I didn't go with Corbin Burns, number one, but I feel like he deserves it at this point. Um, and Cole's shaky start has something to do with that. He, you know, he looked, he's looked a little bit better recently. But Burns, you know, he's in a division there with the Pirates and the Reds. That's a huge advantage over anything Cole gets. And to me, maybe Cole's going to throw more innings. But what Burns can do in the innings that he will throw, I think is going to be elite. So I think he has to be number one. I agree. And yeah, there were a lot of fantasy. Didn't Ryan, didn't you have Burns as your number one? I did. Yeah. It it was really close for me, like maybe within two spots and their ADP kind of wound up pretty close anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of nitpicking, but I I agree looking at the the entire upside and the division that they pitch in and the ballparks they're going to be pitching in. Like, even across the board in the NL Central, the offenses aren't great. The Brewers yeah. don't have a great offense. The Cardinals, I don't know, might have the best offense of the bunch, uh, but they also play at Bush Stadium, which is one of the most pitcher-friendly parks. So, yeah, I I, w- I would probably agree that I, I would put Corbin Burns at number one now. I, I think it's too early to actually flip any of these kind of rankings, though. I mean, we're not even at the end of April yet, and the season started late. Um. Yeah, I, I don't want I, – I try not to overreact. You know, that's what smart fantasy analysts do. They they kind of ride out the storm and, you know, go out and get guys that are off to a slow start and, and benefit from that. All right, so I guess the episode's over. Yeah, we're good. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. <laughs> we're going to go back to watching the draft. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, I have Cole at two. Do you guys – are you on board with that? I have him at three. Okay. Um, I, I feel like – the two guys that we've mentioned, Burns and Ed Burns, as we mentioned first, and Cole second, they were kind of in their own kind of mini tier at the top going into the season. I have moved Scherzer ahead of Cole. Um, I mean, he's just looked fantastic, and I think Cole's ultimately going to be fine. I still have him third. But, I mean, he has been inconsistent since the sticky stuff cracked down. Yeah. Um, you know, he was really good his last start, but – Starts before that this year, not great. He had a career high in walks and against the Tigers a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Like I said, I think he's ultimately going to be fine, but I, th- I think it's enough at least to push him to third, which, I mean, not a big drop. Yeah, the the top 10 right now on Yahoo 5x5 five five standard scoring is Scherzer, Joe Ryan, uh, Carlos Rodon, Pablo Lopez, Joe Musgrove, Burns, Chris Bassett, 
Logan Gilbert, who I think we're going to talk about in a bit. Kyle Wright, who I think we're going to talk about in a bit. Clayton Kershaw, uh, Alec Manoa, Frankie Montas. Yeah. Yeah. But I, again, it's early. It's early, but I, I think there's enough data for me to kind of shake things up, at least in the second half of this top five. I do have Max Scherzer number three. The only reason I put him behind Cole is because, I mean, Max Scherzer has a lot of mileage, and that's that's really the only reason. I have Walker Bueller still number four, Brandon Woodruff number five. Uh, so nothing has changed there as, as far as those guys. I, I would feel really good, you know, if I had those guys on my roster. But this is where things start to change for me. So at number six, I have Kevin Gosman. Love it. I moved him. I, I think I had him in the teens going in the draft. I was a little bit worried about the move to the AL East, back to the AL East for Gosman. Of course, he pitched for the Orioles for a long time. But he has been so good. He hasn't issued a walk yet. He has 31 strikeouts against no walks so far uh, in 24 and two-thirds innings. And just dominant. He leads the league in swinging strikes as well. I mean, he's the real deal. He's the pitcher he was in the Giants last season. Under tougher circumstances, I'm sure there'll be ups and downs. But to me, he's he's proven himself as a legit stud. 0.56 fit right now, too. Yeah, uh, which insane. that plays and, anywhere, you know, that that plays in the AL East, too. Yeah. And one of the parks in that division has gone from one of the most hitter friendly to now a pitcher friendly park in Camden right. Yards. So, yep. yeah, I, I have I have moved uh, Gossman into my top 10 as well. I, I, I think I also had him in the teens going into the season, but I think we've seen enough to to move him ahead of Shane Bieber, for example, yeah. for me, who I have outside my top 10 now, but Me too. yeah, velocity issues with Bieber. The he, results have been fine. Yeah. Right. I was going to say he looks like kind of okay, but I don't know if he's elite elite right now. I feel like, yeah, because I mean, he, he's never had like a elite fastball. I feel like if the weather, if the weather warms up, when the weather warms up and hopefully we actually start seeing some home runs, I think he could be a guy who's might be vulnerable to that. Uh, so it's enough to drive him out of my top 10, but, and, and of course the shoulder issue last year. So that's always in the back of your mind. Yeah. It, yeah. It I would... need to see a little bit more from Bieber, but you know, before I bump him back into that top 10, I, I think he is certainly capable of being effective with even diminished velocity uh, because his command is so good. Um, but I do have some questions about the, the upside if he's not going to be missing a ton of bats. Yeah, like right at a strikeout per inning right now, which is way down from what we're used to. It, it wouldn't shock me if, uh, because so many pitchers are griping about the baseballs and their ability to grip them and the humidors and the quality control of the manufacturing of them, if MLB at some point this season like regulates a sticky stuff, yeah, I like hope a so. substance, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just How has kinda, that not happened already? I, don't, I know. I don't understand. How do they not work with you know some kind of manufacturer and – Work with Max Scherzer, who's you know a figurehead in the union, to to figure that out. I guess they didn't have a lot of time to talk to the players because, yeah, you know it's only been a, a month or month and a one week since they reached the CBA. But um, yeah, yeah they're they're already changing roster stuff like twice right. since the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think a baseball a pitcher's ability to properly grip it is good for everyone. You know? mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know how we can't figure out a solution there. I really hope we do um, because from a safety perspective, 
obviously that's huge. You know, we talked about it with the Mets thing hit 19 times. I don't think any other team's been hit more than 11 times, but still uh, hit by pitches have been up, uh, I believe over the past five years, like sharply. Mm -hmm. So something's got to be done about that um, for sure. Yeah. Pitchers are throwing more breaking balls than ever too. That's, I think that, that's a factor in it. Yep. And you, and you have guys just going max effort as well yep. that are, aren't able to con command it totally. So just a kind of a perfect storm. Yep. So number seven for me, I have, I moved Joe Musgrove up uh, into my top 10. Uh, I also had him in the teens, like mid teens probably, but I think he's earned it at this point. He's off to a fantastic start to two one six ERA, 25 strikeouts, just two walks in 25 innings across his first four starts. Uh, now has a 305 ERA in 35 starts and one relief appearance dating back to the start of last season. And I think there was a couple of like uh, blow up kind of starts in there too. So, you know, if you take that into account, you know, you're talking about maybe a sub three ERA. Um, but I still think he's one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. Um, and I should have, I, I actually have him on a couple of teams was able to get him as like my number two starter in a, in a number of leagues. But I think at this point he's, he's earned that and just being nice and steady, which is what you want. Right. I think he's just so steady, like commands the fastball really well. And, and the curve and slider like are off the charts and, and swing and miss. So he's got, I don't know, the ERA, like the run prevention and the whiffs. I think he's just going to keep getting better and better. I think he could, potentially be like a Cy Young candidate by the end of his run in San Diego, whenever that comes to an end. Um, good offensive around him, good pitchers park. I, I love everything about Joe Musgrove. I, I was higher on him than like the consensus this spring yeah. and Gosman. Um, so I, I feel good about those two picks. I was high on a number of pitchers who haven't even pitched yet, like Lance Lynn and Chris Sale and Jack Flaherty. But, you know, right. that's, a, that's a different episode. Yeah, and Musgrove used to have yeah. Musgrove used to have injury issues, but I feel yeah. like he's kind of put those behind him now. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. used to be kind of a ding against him, but he's at the same time taken his taken it to another level and also gotten rid of the dur durability concerns as well. So kind of a I, I, he's not quite in my top ten yet, but I certainly could see the see the case. So two pitchers who were in the top ten that we mentioned at the beginning, uh, Julio Urias and Aaron Nola. How are you guys feeling about them a month into the season? I haven't really looked at Urias's velocity reading. Hasn't since... been quite as high. Yeah, I know early on it was bad. Has it rebounded at all? It's ticked up slightly, but I looked earlier today and like his highest average velocity so far this year was like would have been like his second to last highest last year. So yeah steadily coming up and obviously we had the shortened spring training maybe he'll be fine velocity wise but it's certainly something to keep in mind yeah that that would be my only concern and uh, if it's trending in the right direction then i would still be very high on him i, I think he would still be a top 15 pitcher for me yeah yeah so a little bit, I, you little know, bit lower ceiling as far as strikeouts go for him but. exactly yeah so he's got to have to max out volume wise and he is on the Dodgers too. So there, you know, there's a win part of it too, which is one of the reasons I liked him so much coming into the year. Uh, but certainly the strikeouts um, caps the upside there with Aaron Nola. I think we all, 
you know, ex- expected that he should have had better results last year, 4.63 ERA in 32 starts. All of the advanced metrics basically agree that he deserved better by like a full run. <laughs> uh, if you look at like XERA, XFIP, yeah. FIP, all that stuff, uh, Sierra. But he's been kind of shaky so far. One really good start, I believe it was last time out. Yeah, Three, on Sunday. Yeah, the three previous starts was pretty shaky, pretty mediocre. And with that terrible defense behind him, I, I can't help but be concerned about him justifying a top 10 expectation. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's like a low margin for error. He's got to be at his best individually every night. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really encouraged by, but what, by what he did Sunday against the Brewers. The one hit allowed, one walk, nine strikeouts, and seven scoreless innings. That really like brought his season totals down it to a, a far more respectable level. Um, so I don't see a lot of concern. I mean, we knew that the Phillies defense was going to be terrible coming into draft season. And I don't know, people would say like, yeah, you, you can't trust a pitcher behind that defense, but Zach Wheeler and Ranger Suarez did fine with it last year. I know it's even gotten worse this yeah. year with, with what they did over the off season, like just creating a beer league softball team, essentially. And, and Harper's DHing now too. Yeah. Sure. That doesn't help. Um, but I, I think on true individual talent, and usually that kind of rises to the top, I feel good about Nola being a top 10 pitcher. Yeah, peripheral-wise, certainly. You know, yeah. the strikeouts, the great control. So um, hopefully that's the case. I, I think it's just a big unknown, especially after last season. And we should mention Zach Wheeler, too, who to me was definitely a top 10 starter before the shoulder soreness during uh, spring training. And his velocity was a lot better in his most recent start. So I think that's really encouraging. Just kind of someone we're going to have to watch as, as time moves along here. I think I'd still put him in my top 15, uh, but I'm a little hesitant to put him in my top 10 just yet. Yeah, anytime you hear shoulder issue, I'm just, I'm worried about it. I, I don't know. I don't know about but, him. Like, yeah, sitting at an 8.53 ERA right now. Um and the velocity was up, but it was still still pretty notably down from last year. So yeah. maybe yeah. that's going to – I don't know how many in, innings he wound up in, with in spring training, but he's still kind of kind of building back up. So maybe he'll ultimately be fine, but, you know, the shoulder thing is, is still in the back of your mind there. Yeah, Robbie Ray's kind of the same way, uh, building that fastball velocity. It's slowly ticking up now. I actually have him at number eight for me personally. And a big reason for that is the volume that he's going to offer. He's the only pitcher in the majors to go six innings in four or more starts so far this season. I think that's a big deal. Um, And I think the velocity should continue to rise. We know he's going to get the strikeouts. I think he's a different pitcher now. Uh, So at this point, when I'm going through my top 10, I am looking for that volume. So I think Ray's pretty safe as far as that's concerned. And his control has been fine so far, too. Yeah. Obviously, that's yeah. been a big issue in the past. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, we said it in our starting pitcher episode. If, if this is the new Robbie Ray and he's figured out the control, that's easily a top 10 pitcher, possibly a top five pitcher uh, yeah. with, with the whiffs that he can generate and pitching in Seattle um, on a pretty good Mariners team. Uh, the, I guess the strikeouts haven't really been there this year. Um but I'm not really worried about that aspect. Yeah. He's always been a guy that generates a ton of whiffs. Yeah. I have Sandy Alcantara at nine. That really hasn't changed too much. 
Uh, I know he had a bad first start. I think he walked five batters in his first yeah. start of the season, which is very uncharacteristic. Uh, but he's been much better since. He's gone six innings twice and eight innings in the other one. I think strikeout upside is the big question. Like if you get a strikeout per inning from him, you'll probably be happy. Mm-hmm. But he's another one of those pitchers who is going to give you a ton of volume. And I think that's worth something. So it's enough to keep him in my top 10. Yeah, he, he, he... Go ahead, Drew. <laughs> I was just going to say, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't get the, he closed really strong strikeout ways last year. That has not been the case so far this year. But, you know, even if he gets, he, he wound up with 200 innings last year and almost the strikeout per inning. If you, even if he's not the guy at the, towards the end of last year, like you said, he's going to give you so much, so much volume that it's, it's not going to, he's not going to hurt you in the strikeouts category. He's just, the ceiling's not quite there. Yeah, I had him 11th in my preseason rankings and he, w- I wasn't somebody who like thought there was going to be a big uptick in strikeouts either, but like you said, DJ, just the volume. And I think the ERA was going to be really good and you'll take a strikeout per inning um, yep. from a, a guy like that. And he's, he's pretty much doing everything that at least I expected him to do so far this year. I mean, if not better, like, you know, averaging nearly 98 miles per hour on his fastball, um, everything checks out to, so where I wouldn't change my preseason ranking on him, I have him just outside the top 10 because he's, I don't think he's going to become an elite strikeout pitcher, um, but everything else is close to elite. What do you guys think of Carlos Rodon? He's in there, baby. Yeah. As long as he can stay healthy, man, that's, that's a potential NL Cy Young award winner right there. I know he's got some stiff competition, um, yeah. but he looks fantastic. It's just unhittable. Like yeah. You, you really only those two pitches, but like they just, you can't hit them. Yeah. He's in a great spot with the Giants. Obviously, the we know the history with him. There's plenty, been plenty of injuries. Last year, allegedly, it wasn't an injury, but he had the shoulder thing and shoulder fatigue and velocity issues down the stretch, which a big red flag when the White Sox didn't make him a qualifying offer. They yeah. certainly wish they could take that back now. Yeah. Um, but same thing with Clayton Kershaw, by the way, with the Dodgers, I would think. But, you know, the upside is just huge with them. I think it's worth the risk, even if you're only baking in, you know, maybe 150 innings. Yeah, he's number 10 for me. You know, I, I'm well aware that there's the injury risk. I probably would have put him ahead of Robbie Ray if I didn't have all those concerns at this point, because he's looked so good. Two, 2.20 ERA in 28 starts dating back to the start of last season. And 223 strikeouts and 155 innings over that span. Insane. Insanely good. So we mentioned some pitchers on the edge for us. Uh, Lucas Giolito, maybe unfair to, to bump him, you know, because he is hurt. Um, but, you know, he's right on the fringe of that. I think Max Freed is, is climbing the list for me. I have yeah. big expectations for him uh, this year. And Logan Webb, too. I think he's he's legit. And Justin Verlander, man. He's in my top ten. That's what I was getting ready to bring up Verlander. Yeah. I mean, I mean he, he looks like he looks yeah. like Verlander. Yeah, he does. And I don't yeah. think that like I realize he's 39, but like and coming off a year when he didn't pitch at all. But I I just don't think the Astros are gonna be careful with him. Like I think we can expect a big workload from him. But it's weird that to say that about someone who's 
that only coming off of Tommy John, but I think he's going to be one of the most reliable guys from a workload perspective. I agree. They have no real reason to like baby him. I, I think he's going 200 plus innings, man. Yeah. Fire it up. Cause yeah. what, I mean, you, you what did he sign? It, it, to Max Scherzer, right? It was like a one year or it was like kind of a two year, $50 million deal. But the one, the second year is like a player a, option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a player slash vesting option. Um, if I have that correct, I, I can look it sure. up. But yeah, either way, they're, I mean, he's nearing the end. And if they can get, I mean, they kind of need all they can get from him. Um, and I, there's some upside in that rotation. But in, until I think Lance McCullers shows signs of being able to return or even like starting to throw, um, I think they're going to have to rely on Verlander to be a, a, a workhorse ace, even though he hasn't been one since 2019. Yep. So we're going to get into some pitchers on the rise here in a second. Before we do, uh, just a note for our listeners here, the 2022 MLB season is underway and NBC Sports Edge is giving our listeners a special offer. You can get 22% off an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. Get expert insight and access to tools that will give you an edge against your competition at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. And use that promo code BASIS22 at checkout to save big this season. So pitchers who maybe aren't jumping into our, our top 10s, but uh, we're going to talk about some pitchers who are jumping on our radar here. Maybe some pitchers we were interested in prior to the season, but some names who are starting to make some big leaps. So yeah, let's let's do that. You want me to go first? Sure. Man, we should have talked about Joe Ryan, too. <laughs> yeah. At number two in the rankings. But there's only three of us. Mr. Mock Turtleneck. <laughs> yeah, what a look. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the Mock Turtleneck. <laughs> I think Patrick Sandoval looks super interesting. I had him at 50th on, on my preseason rankings, which was higher than his ADP. I think he was going around, like, 65th overall in terms of starting pitchers. Um but so he went down with a, what was it? A, like a lumbar spinal stress reaction in August last year. So like the innings total, I think finished around 85, but there was a lot to like within that sample size. He got 32 individual swing and misses in one start against the Mariners last June. And only the only other pitcher to earn 32 or better swing and misses in a start last year was Garrett Cole. Sandoval's like, you know, he's had some injuries, um, and his career ERA coming into the year was like up near 4.5. Um, so I think people were kind of down on him. There were some, there was some buzz that he would might be a fantasy sleeper. Um, but I, I think he's been a, obviously a tremendous value so far and probably the best changeup in all of baseball and a, a really good slider that he can actually throw for strikes. Like command has been an issue at times and he does not have an elite fastball and, when you're talking about a long-term starting pitcher, if that doesn't have an elite fastball and, and doesn't have great command, like can this guy really be successful? Uh, but but the way he throws his fastball and pairs it with his changeup, like the same release point, um, that changeup is just devastating. And he's gotten a ton of, of whiffs on it already this year. I don't know if he's ever going to be like an ERA champion, but I think the strikeouts are going to be excellent. And the Angels, if they can stay healthy, are a playoff team. Yeah, I want that, them to be good so badly. Me too. They're me too, so excited. Like they have so many exciting elements of that team. 
even you know the obvious you know being trout and otani but you know brandon marsh is really looking like he's putting it together as well taylor ward has been awesome yeah the best player Uh, in baseball yeah (laughs) yeah and anthony rendon back healthy like there's some really uh exciting players on that team and joe adele you know he'll show flashes uh here and there as well so man i i really hope that they can uh i could do without their manager but yeah, <laughs> and their middle infield. It's like Andrew Velasquez and Jack Mayfield and David Fletcher, like all dudes who cannot hit. Right. <laughs> I guess yeah. Fletcher Fletcher can make contact, but he's on the IL right now. Um, Matt Duffy, <laughs> just like it's a very weird middle infield, but it, yeah, it to have Sandoval become like kind of a a reliable. I wouldn't call him an ace, but like a reliable top flight kind of starter who can give them 200 innings. Hopefully he's never really reached that territory, but um, I I love the arsenal. I love the strikeout rate that he's going to bring. Again, I had him 50th. I would have him in my top 35 right now, now that he's healthy and and doing what he did uh, for, for a small portion of last season. Yeah. I think weirdly the, the injury from last year, the back injury was, probably a good thing for people who wanted him yeah, because it drove his price down just enough to where he was really good value. Certainly he was turning a, out. Yeah. He went way. very late, like in a casual draft. If you were mm-hmm. kind of in an expert league with guys who were talking him up, he would go a little bit earlier, but I, I bet in like casual 12 team leagues, he was going in the very later rounds. Yeah. If not free, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Um, so Ryan, who you got? Well, speaking of guys who were, basically free in drafts. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but Kyle Wright was not on my radar hardly at all. Nope. Um, earlier today, I looked up uh, on the Fantasy Pros, which takes the a bunch of different formats on uh, for ADP, and he was 452nd <laughs> in ADP, uh, not even ranked in some formats. So, I mean, obviously, he's a former – I think number five overall pick. There's a little pedigree there, but the results have never been never been great for him. Started to kind of come together for him late last year. He spent most of the year in the minors, and he came came up with a, just an amazing World Series start, just kind of out of nowhere. And the Braves are really talking him up during spring training, like he had kind of figured something out. He's going back to his like old arm slot and. That's really helped the action on his pitches. Also, has helped his command. Although, after I say that, I he's actually making a start tonight, and I saw that he walked three guys already. Yeah, but (laughs) he's only allowed one run, and the ERA is down to one point one seven. It was like one inning where he lost his command for a little bit. He's been better since then. He's back now. Okay, good. Yeah, at least coming into the start, I believe was like a twenty-six to two strikeout to walk rate, and he's. If, I know you guys are pitching ninja followers. He's his curveball is just an outstanding pitch. It's become his primary pitch now. Uh, it's, it's something that's been pretty good for him in the past. But with the new arm slot and better command with the fastball, he's certainly looks like he's ready to take that next step. Acuna has stolen a base tonight, by the way. Too that's, uh, nice. He's zero for three though. So. Yeah. Yeah, he reached on a force out and then stole second base. So that's cool to see. He actually did say that, you know, because of the, you know, the offseason or the rehab from the ACL and he spent so much time strengthening that he feels like he's faster than he was before. It will not take long for us to find that out <laughs> uh, with all the all the technology that we have these days. But that is a scary thought. 
and it, it makes a lot of sense yeah like if, if you're just focusing on leg training as as you work back and he stole three bases in six rehab games like he he's ready to go yeah yeah it makes sense sort of like when pitchers come back from tommy john surgery you always hear like you know my arm strength is better than it was before yeah i've never back. felt better yeah yeah so I did see that sense. Snicker said that they, they don't plan to make him like an everyday, everyday player until like the one year anniversary of his I surgery. Don't buy it. July. I don't buy it. Yeah, right. They also said he wasn't coming back <laughs> till May. So, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> if, I mean, I, the, I, I'm sure there'll be situations where he doesn't play a day game after a night game, but the idea that the, he's not, he's going to be in the lineup 5.5 times per week. If if the Mets still have a, a large a large lead, uh, I I think Acuna suddenly will become an everyday player sooner yeah. than what yeah anticipated. that is very very likely. But yeah, right right has been and he looks legit to me. The stuff's good. Uh, I'm a fan of that of of him as well. My uh, riser is someone I liked a lot coming into the year. Anyway, he probably wasn't in even like my top forty necessarily. Uh, but certainly at this point, I think so. Uh, and that's Mariners right-hander Logan Gilbert, who showed some flashes, you know, as a rookie last year, you know, a little bit of inconsistency as well. But he's allowed just one run in 22 and a third innings through his first four starts this season. Uh, 22 strikeouts, four walks along the way. The only run that he has allowed so far was a home run to Luis Arias of all players. I, I think... What's interesting about him is that, you know, the fastball velocity isn't any different, but he is throwing his slider harder and he's also reshaped the pitch a little bit more. Uh, I think with his arsenal, is he throwing the, is he throwing the whirly? Is that what they call I, it? That the Yankees and they're throwing it the might, whirly? It might be, but the, the big thing you need to know about Logan Gilbert is that he went to Stetson and the some, yeah, some Jacob deGrom guy also went there. And during the offseason, Logan Gilbert worked with Jacob deGrom. Uh, so for me, that's, that's a big deal. And to see him, you know, reshape his pitch, uh, his slider to kind of add some separation to his arsenal, I think that's a big deal. Um, now, so far, his uh, chase rates, whiff rates have not been amazing. Uh, so I think the secondary numbers don't fully obviously back up a 0.40 ERA. It's not backing that up so far, but you know, if he can miss some more bats, I think we're talking about a, a top 30 starting pitcher. He's just someone who, you know, is making some tweaks and that's the kind of stuff you look for with a pitcher is going to make a breakout. So uh, I'm, I'm high on Gilbert this year. I was anyway, because he has that pedigree as a, as a top pitching prospect. Uh, but I like the changes I've seen from Gilbert so far. I would say of these three that we've talked about long-term, I think Gilbert is the best bet to be Agreed. an elite. Like he's so lanky. What he's like listed at six, six, two ten, gets incredible extension on his fastball. I, I remember when he was coming up, Chris Crawford would talk about how, how much of a difference it, it makes with his height and like the way he extends on his fastball. It's just like, it's simple math. It's hard for, for batters to be able to react and now that he's kind of got – he's, like, improved that power slider, um, I think the sky's the limit for what he can be. Me too. I have a trivia question for you guys. Um, who has the most strikeouts all-time as a graduate from Stetson University? Corey Kluber. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Bang. That's right. Him. He's a Stetson, Stetson guy too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. You know, when you hear that, I mean, obviously anytime you hear a Stetson pitcher from now on, you're going to have really high expectations, but um, no, I Gilbert's been super impressive and um, you know, working with a pitcher like DeGrom who has so much knowledge to impart and someone who's reinvented himself. I think that's, that's a big deal to have that in your back pocket. So who has the most home runs from Stetson university? <laughs> Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> he, he was a shortstop there so you never know I don't, I don't know actually chris johnson the, the former third baseman corner infielder astros um, oh, yeah, yeah Bra- astros braves for a bit yeah that's a that's a blast we're remembering some guys we're remembering some guys <laughs> um but yeah that's all i got you guys got anything else did jameson williams get drafted in the top 10 we're at pick number 10 right now Sorry, this oh. this is part of my battle of the bets thing. I don't I don't know. I I've been like flipping back and forth, yeah, so I, I I think I'm missing stuff right now. I don't think he's off the board yet, so I need him right here. Yeah, we can Washington's gonna pick. So well, the Jets. Well, the Jets I bet are up right now. So. I bet they'll go Williams if if he makes it to them. Yeah. All right. So and Washington's picking at eleven. So I'm very interested to see what's going to happen there. All so right, let's get out. Of here. Um, yeah, we're going to get out of here. Uh, enjoy the coverage of the draft right here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube page after the first round is complete of the NFL draft. We'll be right back here for more coverage. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing with the show, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review if you like what you're hearing. We've received some really nice reviews recently. We definitely appreciate it. We could always use some more, so keep them coming. You can follow me on Twitter at PJ Short. Ryan is at Ryan P. Boyer. Drew is at Drew Silve. Take care, everyone. We will see you next time.